So much going on in the world of sports today. So much. Welcome into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. We are on location as we are every Thursday at Cavens Construction, CavensConstruction.com. Gary Cavens coming on at 10 o'clock this morning. That's what you call production, being a producer, making the show happen. Uh, we're here every single Thursday with the program and Cavens Construction, one-stop shop for just about everything, um, construction and maintenance, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week emergency help, roofing, waterproofing, plumbing, you name it, they do it at Cavens Construction. We'll talk to you here coming up at 10 a.m. So we have, what does Ben Maller always say? They, they, they put it all together and they, they come up with what, like the, the Gaba Banoush or something like that? There's some phrase that he has for mixing all these different topics in together. Gaba Danoush? Anyway, I don't want to get canceled by trying to come up with what he calls it. And he mixes all of these topics into the, the big sports uh, soup, if you will, and you dive into it. Because I feel like we could mix about 50 different topics right now in the sports world, and it could dominate this whole show. I mean, I might be a little bit facetious here, but Josh Helmer... Good morning. A very good morning to you. How are you, my friend? I'm good. We could talk Tiger potentially playing in the Masters all day. We could talk Final Four all day, right? We could talk Sooner softball or baseball all day. And, and in each of those stories, and just baseball and softball because that's such a, a, a general thing, you could go 56 different directions, right, <laughs> based on – Lineups based on decision making, based on you know, there's a billion topics in just those two sports in general. We could talk about you know the landscape of college football and how Mike Gundy kind of fires a. I, listen, I don't think Gundy said anything negative. He, he he was just giving his opinion. I'm I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but he kind of fires off his salvo about the future of conferences in college football, and it's got a lot of people thinking, hey, is this just an inevitable change that's going to happen sooner rather than later, right? So you got that topic, which is always good for sports radio. Heck, I'm watching NBA highlights. There's so much going on. It was one of those, oh, that that was a pretty good Suns-Warriors game last night, right? You almost forget about it. Then, Josh, we can start diving into the draft. Bruce Arians retires last night. There's a whole angle if it was Arians and Tom Brady's relationship that originally led to Brady's retirement. That's just the start of the NFL news. I mean, dude, where do you want? I, where should we start on a day with so much in March that we need to embrace? Because oh, those dry June and July mid-morning shows could be a <laughs> could be a little bit of a killer. Haven't we found wise. out that that's a little bit of a myth around here? Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, I I feel like that's. That's right up there with all of us realizing that outside of PMT spoofing the um, uh, the conversations about your Mount Rushmores, you know, it's kind of a joke now to even try to do that. It's a joke for sports radio people to complain about not having topics in July because, heck, what did we have last year? The Big 12, the SEC, Oklahoma, Texas leaving fell into our lap. We're just a couple years removed from Bob Stoops retiring in the middle of the summer, so yeah. Fair point, Josh. But with all those, and Trey Young scored 41 last night, all those topics. Dude, where do we even start? Well, maybe we don't spend a ton of time on this, but 
are you telling me that there's a suggestion out there that Brady stepped away because of Arians in the first place? Oh, okay, yeah, let's do this quick. That, that's a really good choice because it is a somewhat breaking news. Now, I'm, I'm in a world, Josh, where I'm trying to make new friends, right? I live in a new community. I, I'm very proud of that community. I see there's a lot of hardworking people that work a lot harder than I do living in that community. So I dig it. I dig my, my Washington community. I think it's awesome. So I'm trying to become a better friend and, and someone who knows people around town. But last night when I go to this event, I mean, Bruce Arians leaves the Buccaneers right in the middle of it. I'm sorry, but I can't get away from a story like that when you have guys like John Middlecoff um, and others, and, and, and Rich Ornberger right here on the, the Ref and, and Fox Sports Radio, suggesting that they had heard from many people that the Brady-Arians relationship was sour and that maybe the way that Brady talked – and I know right now everyone's saying all the right things, right? Brady has the long statement that gets released and – uh, Bruce Arians responds with cheers. I think um, Andrew Marshan is kind of pushing along. But, yeah, there is a theory that Tom Brady was not happy with Bruce Arians. And, uh, you know, maybe there was something to that Miami Dolphins story as well, that he went ahead and, and retired. But then the Bucks talked him back into it if they promised that Arians would step away and Todd Bowles would take over and Byron left, which would run the offense. Yes, Josh, we have conspiracy theories abounding as it pertains to this story. Are you buying any of them? Yeah, sure. Because, okay, let's go. Because I thought it was a curious move. I know Arians is you know, not a young guy by any stretch yeah. of the imagination, but for someone that – Two years ago, just broke through, won his first Super Bowl, and has a roster in Tampa Bay that, with Tom Brady back, is positioned to make another push in the NFC and perhaps capture a second world championship uh, with that grouping. It seemed curious for him to step away. Again, I know that he's not <laughs> in the young category, but I-, I thought that was weird. So, yeah, I am buying this a little bit. Me too. Me too. Now, again, it, it doesn't. I liked. I fell in love with the idea of who Bruce Arians was during the Arizona Cardinals Amazon Prime show. I can't think of what it's called, but there was an Amazon Prime show, and it featured the Cardinals. And Bruce Arians was the coach, and his wife is, you know, the ultimate hype person, and she's always kind of building them up. And then she's got a little bit of a, she's got a little bit of saltiness to her, you know. So you, I, I kind of got. I dug the Bruce Arians that I got to know off that show. Uh, and I kind of dug the Bruce Arians that did some TV for a while. But I don't know. I don't know, Josh. It just I could see where he could rub a Tom Brady the wrong way. And everyone bragged about it for a year, right? Oh, this is – Bruce Arians is treating Tom Brady like he deserves to be treated. Bill Belichick blamed him for everything. And literally, when the Buccaneers lost like three games – in the Super Bowl season, they, I think they had either three or four. They lost two or three. Arians is just crushing Tom Brady in the media. You're like, right. oh, oh, okay. So maybe Brady's not getting treated as well as he thought. I, I don't know. I want to take them all at their word, right? I want to say Brady retired because he thought he was done. And he wanted to spend time. And he, and he kind of visioned, envisioned life without football and had this – Oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to do this and that. It's going to be awesome. And then when you're away, you're like, yeah, I, I got to go back. Or or 
uh, maybe you don't want to take him at their word, and he was tired of Bruce Arians and said, I'm out. I want to believe that Bruce Arians was sitting around thinking about succession. It's not secession. It's succession. Correct. (laughs) And kind of what that path might look like and said, Todd Bowles is going to be a great head coach someday. I don't want him to be with a crappy team. Let's get him in here. Let's get, even though I mean the, they, they don't they'd worked together for three years so I mean it, Bruce Arians acting like they've been together for like thirty years I, I I get it they've had success but that I found that to be really cool for someone that didn't have that depth of a relationship with someone so I want to take him at his word but you know I'm I'm here if you want to say that Bucks management went to him and was of the opinion that listen Tom Brady wants to come back but man he just doesn't want to play for you and we would really appreciate it if you just stepped away this year. So, I, again, you choose. That's either going with the conspiracy side of things or what everyone is telling us side of things. Gosh, the idea that there was something more than just coach player, right, that there was maybe a little bit of disdain between those guys. You know someone's working on a book right now, Josh. There's too many oh, good media people be. outside of Tampa Bay. And it could be – it could be this. I mean, maybe Brady doesn't relay it back that I don't want to play for Arians, but you kind of relay it back. I'm not going to be playing for Arians again, and I'm going to work my way to Miami if he's still the head football coach here. I want to play again, but I, I'm not trying to play with, with Arians as my head coach. Right. What, what an opportunity for Bowles. He's got a chance to dive in right away and win a division and i don't know make a playoff run you you've got tom brady as your quarterback you've got a roster that i i think actually still has a little bit of room if i'm not mistaken where they can maybe make another move or two if there's someone else he feels like gosh okay i've been wanting to get this guy go to jason light hey can we go make a run at a tyron matthew i don't know but the point is you know tampa bay right now you've got tom got a good core of defensive talent defensive coach you could you could plant some seeds here, dude, and and not only that, let's say they make the move and bring in a Baker, and groom him as their next quarterback. It, interesting times in Tampa, but again, the big story last night in the NFL: Bruce Arians retire or step down as the Buccaneers head coach. Todd Bowles will take over. One of a bazillion stories. We got Dylan Gabriel coming up today. We've got Kale Gundy coming up today. Uh, we got baseball talk coming up today. So when we come back. Let me grab another one of those big stories out of this sports melting pot of topics we have and talk some Sooner softball. Jen Rocha joins us next on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Pumped to be joined by the pitching coach, associate head coach for Oklahoma Sooner softball. Jen Rocha is in the house. Coach, good morning. Thank you for coming on with us. How's this uh, Wednesday shaping up for you? Practice today? Oh, yeah. Good morning. Thanks for having me on today. Yes, but just getting ready for uh, another weekend of softball. So for you, uh, and I, I, I should have you. I don't know why we don't do this more often. And then I stop and realize, oh yeah, you have a life and games to prepare for. You're just not gonna. <laughs> you're just not waiting to chop it up <laughs> on the radio. I am. I'm so intrigued by what that shift is like for you when you go from. Uh, you know, five games in three days on a fairly consistent basis, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, you're in conference play. What's that adjustment like for you as a coach and kind of how you 
uh, are able to prepare and the amount of time you're able to give to an opponent outside the challenges of so much so early? Um, yeah, I mean, all season really it's just a challenge. The biggest challenge is preparing for five teams on a weekend and uh, being able to get the right scan report and to get the right matchups for our pitchers. And, um, you know, it's, it's like riding in the fast lane all the time with traffic, and then you're still riding in the fast lane, but there's no traffic, but you still got to watch where you're going. <laughs> I think that's probably the best way to put it because the, you know, the work never stops. You never stop going, but um, it's just uh, you can stay focused on one opponent once the conference play comes along. Um, I want to start real quick behind the plate. Because I think that in Lindsey Elam and Kinsey Hansen, you've got two of the, the best catchers in college softball. And they're, they're competitive, right? And they want to play. Mm-hmm. How, what's it been for you watching them compete and then how they've handled your staff so far this season? Because I, I feel like they've yeah. been doing a great job. They've done a, a wonderful job. They've done a wonderful job. You know, it's, I, they're both, you're right, they're both so competitive. Um, they both bring something different to the table that's good for us in a different mm-hmm. way. Um, so it's fun for me to watch them manage our pitchers and get strikes for our pitchers. I mean, that's, you know, one of the bigger things for me is, you know, they both get strikes for us. And then they both, you know, obviously add to our offense. And to be able to have that sort of balance, um, with our catchers, and you know, it's hard to catch every game. You know, that's tough on their knees, and um, it, it's uh, it's hard. It's hard. You're catching balls in the dirt, and you know, trying to get balls that go above your head. So they both do a good job. So it's really great for us to be able to have um, both of them be able to work in and out, um, and both work well with our staff. So it's awesome. You've had some incredible pitchers that you've. Um, had to roll through the the Rocha system, if you will, Coach Jordy Ball. Where she is, right? I don't want ever to ask you to compare someone to to anyone else, but from a development perspective and a passion perspective and a swagger perspective, it seems like Jordy Ball is well beyond her years in her first year. How is she coming along on the pitching side of things? Yeah, she's doing a great job. I mean, she's she's certainly a special freshman a special talent in general, I think, take the freshman away from it. She's a special talent. You know, there there's some athletes in every sport that have an it factor, and she certainly has it. And those are players that are fun to coach, but, um, you know, she's, she's savvy, she's strong. She has all the right tools, and it's getting her in this game. I think with every athlete that jumps into a collegiate competitive environment, there's it's just different. It, the competitiveness is different. And the challenge, of course, of where our program is at right now is different. And it's just getting her, she's settled into it. And it's now having her find her groove into this level of play that we're at right now. And she's really fun. She's very fun to to work with us is our entire pitching staff, but um, you know, asking specifically about Jordy, I mean, she just can do a lot of things. She has a really good feel for her pitches, and um, she can just compete. She's a flat-out competitor. Do you feel like 
are there times where you have to rein some of that back in or you just let it go with her competitive nature and that um, energy that she brings? Yeah, sometimes you just got to let them, you know, everybody's going to figure out where they need to. Uh, we try to steer them in the right direction. Sometimes you just got to let her ride that competitiveness. You can't, it's not something you can teach, um, but we, you know, we kind of keep it in a, within its parameters. You know, you can't get too high in a game and you can't get too low. So she's figuring out where her ceiling is at and figuring out where the bottom is at. Um, and those are just lessons learned as you go, as, as you move along in season. But um, I, I'm not trying to pull back on any of it. I love watching her pitch, um, as does as our team. Jen Rocha is our guest pitching coach for the Sooners. Time for a couple more associate head coach. Hope Trout Wine transfers in, grad transfer, established pitcher. Um, I, I Just very generally, great attitude, right? Great personality. Where has she had to adjust the most from North Texas to Oklahoma? Um, I, I think she is another one. All the, uh, all the physical tools that it takes, all, she has the mentality. I mean, to be able to pitch a game and have literally 21 strikeouts in a game, it, that stuff doesn't happen on accident to anybody <laughs> if you're in the circle. And so it takes a, a certain mentality to be able to sustain that. She has that. It's really just learning the game um, and learning how to pitch. And, and I think I can say the same for Jordy, too. Um, it's learning how to pitch um, and use your tools at the right time. And that's where Hope has been in our program. And she asks great questions um, and is really learning the game. She's been a great student of the game. And she's been a She's a joy to work with. I mean, the, when you see her out on the mound uh, pitching, just steady and enjoyable to watch, she is all of that in the bullpen for me, too. That's, yeah, great personality. And then, of course, I mean, obviously, we, Mayday I mean, is, is, is calm and cool of a character as there is, but always adjusting, right? Always trying to find new things, different ways to attack. What's it been like to kind of mold her, Coach, and, and how good of a learner, how well does she take advice? Nicole May, you referred to, right? Sorry. Is that who you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yes. Coach. Yeah, Nicole May. Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, she has been so fun. She's another one last year as a freshman um, that came in and learned a ton, had a lot of tools to work with, and just really learned a ton. She has... a like you've seen the fire and ice that she's been able to throw out um, in those competitive situations throughout last year. And, you know, again, this year when we've needed her to, and, you know, again, some of those things you just, you can't teach. They just show up um, in game. And she has, you know, she's kind of battled a little bit of um, some, some injury um, a little bit, but she's really, done a great job of managing herself and getting her body right and she's competitive she you know she changes speeds really well and I think she has learned too how to use um what she's good at and she's got to grind out she's somebody who she's super smart very good student um and she studies the game she she has to study 
um, and she's always ready. She has good scouting reports ready for me when I'm when we're going through and preparing for opponents. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she wants to do. Um, so we get together and get on the same page, and we go for it. So it's really a um, her and I work really well together. I feel like um, in order to you know allow her to have this success that she's having. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, she's really fun to watch, Coach. I'll let you go on this. Um, I get asked a lot of the about the progression. Where even through travel ball and stuff, these are still one pitcher pitching a majority of the games. Have you seen kind of the staff mindset and the staff implementation continue in college softball? I know you had a staff at Florida. Patty had a staff that same time in seventeen at Oklahoma. Now, since you've been at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you've I feel like you you and Coach have had a staff. Has that been an adjustment in, in, in kind of how you've approached things, not just in-game but recruiting too? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's where the game has evolved to. You, know, you can look at the numbers of our of our offense and then look around the country at offenses or, you know, teams and programs that are doing well consistently. The offense is strong. You know, they're, in my opinion, this is my opinion, there's a lot more um, ways to study and develop a hitter in our sport, mostly because of MLB and what's coming down the pipe, you know, from things that they do, and then slowly it trickles down to our sport and softball. Um, But there's not a whole lot for pitching. You know, there's for a fast pitch, windmill style pitcher, the whole, um, you know, everything that they're doing from a physical standpoint and from an execution standpoint is unique to our sport, which is what makes it fun for me. Um, but from an offensive standpoint, you know, they can they can gain a lot from the game, from the swing of a bat, um, from, again, from MLB all the way down to, you know, collegiate baseball and softball. There's a lot of things that are out there for um, them to be able to get better from a physical standpoint. And so for pitching – it's hard to do. Now, I know the history of our sport has been one dominant pitcher throughout, um, but it certainly is changing because hitters have a lot of information to be able to work with. And so having to face a lineup three and four times through is very difficult. If you don't have that out pitch, if you're not a strikeout pitcher, um, if you don't change speeds very well, it, it can be hard to man- to get through a lineup that is solid one through nine. And so with that being said, I say all that to go back to your question of, you know, yes, we want to build a staff. The intention is to build a staff. You can't win. I think if you look at the last, probably at least the last five World Series, if not more, um, no one pitcher is dominating. There is going to be one pitcher that everybody is going to be talking about from each team, but it's they can't do it by themselves. Um, it's too hard. It's too hard. Um, the the length of the World Series and as many games as you need to play, especially if you get in the losers bracket, um, your body takes a beating. Your body it, it, it's it's hard. And so for us to be able to um, we just feel like if we want to compete and be one of the last eight teams, you know, down to one of the last two teams to have an opportunity, we know we're going to have to build um, a staff. And so that certainly has been our intention. And, you know, you've seen it the last couple years and 
trying to figure out what's right and get the right matchups for uh, for different pitchers. It's been fun. It's been a challenge, um, but it's exciting, and uh, it, it makes it tough. We want to make it hard on our opponents to prepare for us, too. Love it. Incredible. Great stuff. Coach Rocha, I know you're busy. We appreciate all the time. Uh, have a blast in preparation. We'll see you out there on Friday night. All right, Chris. Thanks so much. See you, Coach. Jen Rocha. What was that? I, I, I know that I know that some I'm still a noob to the sport, right? I mean, the first year that I sat and watched every single, every single Sooner game was what, like 13, 14? Started calling every single game on 16 and 16. So I'm still a noob to the sport. I learn every day. I probably pick Jen Rocha's brain to the point where she's like, leave me alone. I feel like I learned so much from her, and I hope you did today too. Uh, for for Sooner fans, got to fire you up about the pitching side of things, um, the, the relationship, the conversations she has with her pitcher very on a very high plane of compatibility. Kind of what we were talking about with JT and his hitters last week. It's good stuff. All right, quick break, 932. So we've hit Bruce Arians. There's a little of OU softball for you. we got Joey Helmer coming up at 11 a.m. this morning to talk Sooner football. So when we come back, what do you say we dip our toe into the attempted a little controversy yesterday from what Kale Gundy said? We'll talk about it next. Uh, so real quick, welcome back into the Plank Show. Hour one brought to you by Van Hoos Fence, vhfence.com. Their protection, sorry, their perfection is your protection. Van Hoos Fence, Mars, uh, Mark and Tessa do great work for you by simply calling 405-735-1167. Yesterday, Mike Gundy met with the media. Oh, 3-2-1. Kale Gundy met with the media. Mike Gundy did too, but it was just on our show. Kale Gundy met with the media. And there was, I, I think, Josh a quote that made the rounds before another quote made the rounds. And it kind of led to some thinking that shade was being thrown, right? Shot across the bow. Because it was during this show yesterday when <laughs> – I'm still going through Bob Prisbillo's mentions now with some of the reactions to that. But tweeted that Kale Gundy calls Jeff Levy the most well-rounded offensive mind he's been around, polished in all areas, is very impressive. And a, a lot, a lot of people took that as shade. But as always, there's more to the story. So allow us here on the Plank Show to present to you what Kale said in in all now, and I'm not dogging anyone, by the way, because Bob did come out and say, "No, no, hold on here." He also said this, but here's what Kale Gundy said in that full quote, just to make sure there's proper context. Well, and, yeah. Lincoln was a great offensive mind. We all know that. Uh, Lincoln was very creative. Probably one of the most creative offensive minds and guys I've ever been around. Um, Lincoln, over time, learned the run game. You know, in his background, in his history, it was mainly throwing and passing and getting the ball in space. Um, 
and then I, I think, you know, not only I think he would also tell you that he became a, a better coach here when he got here because we ran the ball more. Uh, uh, you know, again, just Jeff is already he he's already polished in all those areas. I mean, he he's polished in in um, in everything, um, and it is it's very very impressive. It's very impressive. Um, and, um, and, and again, it's something that's only going to make us all better, and, he's, um, and we're going to be better players and better coaches because of it. And there was, a, there was some more love for Jeff Levy, and understandably so with what he's accomplished so far. Well, I mean, just, just, just look, at the, look at his past offenses. I mean, we're, we're, you know, look at where he's been. You know, I, don't, I don't know if you guys know it or not, but he's the guy calling the plays. He's the guy that's called the plays. He was the guy that called all the plays last year. It's his offense. It ain't nobody else's offense. It was his offense at UCF. It wasn't anybody anybody else's offense. So um, you know, just look at the history and look at the offense and look at the players who've had had success in there. Um, and um, I mean, he's he's knocking on the door is is uh, one of the, one of the best, if not the best, offensive mind, one of the top offensive minds in college football. Do you know what? I and, and so that was Kale Gundy from yesterday. That. That fires me up. I mean, it's not like I get mad and try to make everything a comparison to Lincoln, but I think he was asked the difference, and he gave a great answer. But I, I, I don't know, Josh. I don't take anything away from that, except for maybe the way that it was presented uh, in not full context. But as a fan, I mean, that, that gets me pretty juiced about the way that things could go. Now, again, I think that, there's going to be an adjustment, and I, you know, who knows? I, I hope the adjustment comes uh, well before the season starts and all is all is ready for game day. But it's just that sometimes that sometimes isn't reality. I mean, Nick Saban lost in his first year to Louisiana Monroe. Dabo Sweeney's first season at Clemson uh, ended in the Camping World Bowl. So I know because I was there. I think that was his third season. Anyway, my point is sometimes it. It takes a minute. But that's a coach that's been here since 1999 that played here and is saying this is one of the most creative offensive minds. This is a guy that, hey, in case you didn't know it, he's the one calling plays. It's his offense. It's not Lane Kiffin's offense. It's not Josh Heupel's offense. It's Jeff Levy's offense. And I don't know, Josh, that kind of got me a little fired up yesterday. It should get you fired up, and this offense should be explosive. Listening to Teddy yesterday afternoon with Tyler got me a little bit fired up too. He had been out kind of watching this group, and he, he loves what he's seen as well. But with Lebby, th- this is what we should have expected, right? I mean, the track record says all of this. Top five offenses – each of these past several seasons, I think maybe they dipped out of that a little bit after the bowl game last year, but that's almost unfair to say about how Ole Miss's season shook out because, again, Matt Corral got hurt in that bowl game, so they, they probably would have finished as you know a top-five team offensively if that hadn't been the case in that bowl game. But he's tremendous, man. He's got a great grasp on how to be balanced both throwing the football and running the football, that's one of the things that really jumped out to me when I started digging into sort of his portfolio and what these last couple of seasons of UCF and Ole Miss offenses look like. 
Uh, I love the fact that he's not afraid to have a bona fide number one wide receiver. Marvin Mims is going to love that this season for Oklahoma, but yep. the balance, the balance offensively, throwing the football, running the football, really, really jumps out with Jeff Levy. And everyone, I think that's what most people were latching on to, well-rounded. But Kill's point is right. I mean, it's not It's not Lincoln wasn't well-rounded enough. They, they were basing a power run game, right? And I understand that sometimes that rush to pass ratio would ratio would get a little bit wonky, maybe based on the way a game went. But I don't I don't know that there's any shade being thrown when you say he had to learn to become more well rounded because of the system he came, he came up in. Mike Leach's system. Mike Leach not a big run game guy, and he developed it. I'm old enough to remember. When Lincoln Riley took this job as the offensive coordinator, that y'all were freaking out because there wasn't a fullback or an H-back on the East Carolina roster. And everyone was wondering, what are they going to do? Was it Dimitri at the time? What's going to happen to Dimitri Flowers? So I'm not going to throw too much shade or or consider that shade being thrown because – it's true. He he had to learn how to do it. I just thought it was a really – to me it was more about high praise, Josh, for Jeff Levy, and gets me excited about that offense than it was anything with Lincoln. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I don't I, think And I think there was other great things from Kale's availability to get to, too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, I, I don't think it was shade either, and I think obviously you listen to that, the entirety of that res- response, and Kale makes sure to say a bunch of – nice things about Lincoln Riley to talk about how creative he was and what a great offensive mind he was, but that, you know, Lincoln kind of learned the run game in a lot of ways at Oklahoma and learned the importance yeah. of the run game at Oklahoma. And Jeff so, Levy comes to OU with, with that already in tow. He's got it. All right. So as we break, that was the quote that kind of made the rounds, right? That's what a lot of people were talking about yesterday. But, if you're needing like a Thursday motivation, you're sitting there and say, like, God, just dobbers down a little bit. I got to get rolling. Uh, when we come back, Kale Gundy's final statement, if you will, was something that will get you juiced about where this program is headed. Uh, and then I want to hear more from Mike Gundy later on in the program because I am surprised his comments are gaining. Zero. I mean, less than zero traction. Nothing. But we'll debate why next right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. We're live today from Cavens Construction. Every single Thursday, we hang out with Gary and the entire crew. CavensConstruction.com. It's Plank Show. The best way to get in touch with the show is twofold, either on Twitter, at Plank Show, at Josh on Ref, at Sports Talk 1400. Uh, you can always hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Are people being grumpy again on the Air Comfort Solutions text line today? Am no, I in trouble I think, again? I think we scared everybody uh, off. <laughs> pretty quiet this uh, morning. Well, I haven't really given it. Pretty quiet? What? What? Okay, look, can I give three text questions then for the next hour of the show? Three. 
Yes. Ready? Actually, Here's you know one. what? I, I say that, uh, and a couple of people have texted that I can share with you if you'd like to hear uh, those. Well, I mean, I don't need them now. I just we, we got like two minutes here, and I promised them a Kale Gundy bite. Um, are you as fired up about Tiger playing as I am? Hmm. I, am, am I on an island with this, right? Uh, 405-651-3439. We don't need him to win. Don't care about that. Just need him to, to go out and see see if he can't get me juiced about a little bit of golf, right, number one. Um, number two, I, I love the baseball series being played in, in Globe Life Field. I understand that there might be some frustration, right, with this being a series slated for Norman. But the other question, 405-651-3439, would you welcome this being a yearly thing? And then third and most importantly, have they found the other 50 people that somehow ran out of the back of a diesel that got stopped on I-35 this week? Have you seen this story? <laughs> yes, I, I, I have seen it's this a, story. Okay, Are you, you have? You Did you see where it was? That's by me. <laughs> so every single night, like, is there anyone out there? What's going on? <laughs> but please, please help find them. All right. Um, anyway, I four zero five six five one three four three nine. In fact, we'll kick off hour two with some of your text messages. So, the Kale Gundy presser yesterday, Plank Show, hour one, wrapping up with Kale, featured the quote that kind of started to make the rounds, and everyone thought it was shade, and it was, and it was an incredible compliment to Lincoln Riley, and it was building up Jeff Levy too. But what Kale said in his final statement was what I truly. What stood out to me, I dug this in, in every fiber of my body. Yeah, it's, um, and I mentioned it, you know, to you guys here a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm as excited as I've ever been, and I'm just not saying that. I mean, um, I, I think OU football's in in the best. We're heading in the best uh, direction that we, that we've ever ever been in a long time, and I, and it starts with the top with our leadership. Um, you know, it, it starts with um, you know the Everything that everything that we're doing off of the field with our players, uh, that they've been so excited uh, to to really grasp and, and want to be a part of, uh, with our sole mission group, um, and um, Brent Brent's Brent's a, a very impressive person. You know he was you know here for you know so many years before he left. He was, he was obviously a great football coach, but he's really I mean he's taken a huge huge step from just the X's and O's and the football and the recruiting side of it. Um, I mean, he's really dove deeper and he's, you know, looked into how can we, how, how can we all be better? You know, how can we all serve one another? Um, how can our players want to come to practice every single day? How can they want to come here and love to play football and uh, love to compete with the guy next to you? And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, this, we're we're doing things that are making us all different, and um, like I said, I, I could I, I'm as excited and uh, couldn't be more pleased and happy with what we're doing here and and um, the direction we're going. Now I know the national, the natural cynic in you says what? Well, what else are you gonna say? Right. Well, great plank. What'd you expect him to say? You don't have to say anything. You don't have to. Ah, you know, really, coach done a great job, and we're fired up for this season. Didn't really have to go. And when you go in depth like that, and what what stood out to me, Josh, and I know we only got about a, a minute left, but what stood out to me is, hey, how he's grown 
you know, beyond just the X and O side of things. It goes back to what I talk about a lot. This wasn't just a, hey, if I get a head coach's job, this is the guy I want to be my coordinator. And this is who I want to be my – no, no, it's, when I get this job, this is what this culture and this program is going to look like and what it's going to become. I love it. Has had a plan, right, of who I'd like to right. hire, what types of people I need to hire, what the program should look like, how we're going to recruit vision – for recruiting, vision for yep. the program. I mean, he's just – it is what it is. It's someone who was patient enough throughout his career to get this opportunity at the right time when he's prepared for this opportunity. There's probably many a head coach, Plank, that thought they were ready, took a head coaching job, and maybe they're still convinced that they were ready. But guess what? They weren't ready. And Brent Venables, mm-hmm. at this particular moment in time – has spent so much time around some of the best coaches ever in the history of college football, Snyder, Stoops, Sweeney, and he's ready for this opportunity and he's got a vision for how it's supposed to go. I know, I feel like we need to record that because I feel like we're going to say it a lot this spring and summer, but when you hear assistant coaches talk about it, I think that's really cool. Dylan Gabriel also met with the media yesterday. We'll hit some of that next hour right here on The Plank Show.